Well, happy holly jolly <laughs> advent, everyone. It's a very Bonhoeffer Christmas from What's the Point. It's me, Tom. And Katie. And Heather. Happy, happy, very Bonhoeffer Christmas, everyone. Yay. Yeah, we've been dwelling with a lot of deep, heavy things, and I, I left the la- last episode. I thought I was sad, but Heather just said, no, it's just like, it's just pretty deep stuff. Yeah. And yeah. It we is. don't think a lot of these things all the time. We keep it surface level mm-hmm. a lot of our lives. And so mm-hmm. when we dive deep, it's a little emotionally exhausting at times. But what joy, but what joy we have to think about some of those God moments and how God meets us, right? Mm-hmm. Especially as baby Jesus. Sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot, uh, so we we talked in uh, in Noah's Ark about how Jesus is the best gift ever. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask you both, what's the worst gift you've ever gotten? What's the worst Christmas gift? So I've been thinking about this. And I don't, there aren't a lot. Um, and I would love to talk about my worst Christmas gifts without naming any names. <laughs> Not Fair. that this person who I'm related to would ever listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> but there, um, there, there is a family member who, like, my kids are always like, "You're sending the link, right, mom, to this this person?" Not just like a general idea, like, because mm-hmm. things can go wrong. Um, the The worst Christmas gift that I'm thinking of, though, was the year that I received what I can only call a house coat, uh, oh. a red uh-huh. velour. Oh. Oh. Uh, like zip up, like oh like a robe, but zip up yeah, yeah. with like embroidery on the front. Oh no, oh no! <laughs> I have joked about getting those for myself. I mean, so it was like, thank you. My grandma wears those often. That's exactly uh-huh. what this was. Yes, uh-huh. I mean, and this was. Please say you still have it. This was ten years ago. Ooh. Uh, she so, absolutely does. And I do not Where's still it every have night? it, but I mean, we're talking. I was like in my Walks like. the dog. <laughs> uh, I definitely did do a photo shoot, <laughs> modeling with it. Uh, you know, it was one of those years where we went from one family Christmas to the next family Christmas, and this person maybe got thrown under the bus to the oh, second family. So funny. That like, guys, this is what I came away with. Let me show you. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, no, I do not still have it, but I should have saved it. You should, I should have. have. There would have been good use for that. If anyone wants to get Heather Day a Christmas gift. <laughs> There you are. Red velour house um, coat. They have something similar at Walmart, so uh, you know mm-hmm. what to do. I'm going to just type in right now, house coat on Amazon. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to find the picture. I have a picture of it somewhere. House. I'll try to dig that up. We can put it in our... Uh, Please. You say, put it in the show notes. Oh, mm-hmm. that'd be so funny. I'm really trying to think oh, of what... Oh, oh, yeah. Think Amazon. <laughs> oh, yeah. They are... What what did you search? Red velour house coat? Nope, just house coat. Okay. <laughs> Katie. Yeah, I've been trying to think of what the worst gift I've gotten was and I don't I don't know. Um I think mostly because like I have 
not always, but oftentimes been very specific with what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, like very specific. Um, like a <sighs> Red Rider BB gun with the. Oh my god! <laughs> Stop it! I don't. I don't know. I. This is zero offense to my brothers, but if I had to guess, it would probably have been a gift from one of my brothers when we were like really young and doing, you know, our little secret Santa that was never really a secret because yeah. when you share one kid, you figure out who has the others. Right. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like on one hand I want to say, um, this was a, a really good gift, but also like, a crappy gift and I was just talking to Heather about this last week um, a couple years ago my parents got me a new mattress mm. for Christmas which nice. like yeah super great um, however that was two two years ago and I'm already like wow this mattress is lumpy and bumpy oh. and awful um, and cheap which like no fault of theirs they you know mm. got me what I wanted within the budget that they had um, so very thankful for that. But at the same time, I'm like, this kind of bit me in the butt eventually. Mm. So not a bad gift, just, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So is, is a new mattress on your wedding registry? Um, we have a furniture fund. Ooh, there you uh-huh. Go. And, uh, instead of like a honeymoon fund or anything like that, I'm like, I would rather have some <laughs> new furniture that we you know, did not buy mm. secondhand because that's what a lot of our furniture is, or it's from college or whatever. I, I would rather have that. And, and cause we're not, we don't, we're like, let's go camping for a honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. Um, yeah, but that's, that's the first thing that we will buy with a uh, wedding money is a new mattress. Cause nice. I got a bad back and not, uh, I th- really I th- over it. You just need to borrow Heather's house coat, and then you're just really. <laughs> Listen, um, speaking of house coats, this is uh, something that Jake likes to joke about often, and I am like, if you do this, you will be the best human in my mind. I love nightgowns. Oh, like I would so much rather wear a just a big old nightgown than like you know pants and a shirt to bed or whatever, and. Uh, he jokes about like whenever we're at Walmart, he's like, Oh, we gotta stop by the pajamas and see if they have any new moo's. And I'm like, Oh, you know, they will. And you know, I will buy them. I have probably in the past year, I've probably bought like a dozen. Oh my God. Cause I just am obsessed. (laughs) Old lady nightgowns. I love them so much. Uh, Tom, what's the worst Christmas gift you've ever gotten? Have you ever gotten the same gift three years in a row? I have. <laughs> oh, God. What, what did you get? I received from the same person uh, <laughs> a, a, uh, like a car emergency tool. Uh, <laughs> it's got, you know, it's got like a, a bottle opener. Yeah. It's got a couple different like a Phillips head, a flat head. Uh-huh got a flashlight it's got uh-huh. like a little little pointy piece where you can like uh-huh. crack open your glass oh you know? sure yeah, uh-huh. uh-huh 
three so you've years got three of them in a row yeah yeah that's great so you know when we had three cars uh because you know i used to have a, a pickup that just just mm-hmm. broken down in my garage mm-hmm. i had one for each that's so great oh, it was just the best convenient wow uh-huh yeah <laughs> and now there's just an extra one sitting in my ice fishing stuff oh, but sure. there's one in each of our cars now so sure. and okay did you point out to this person that no, they had gotten it <laughs> i did not it, every year it was thank you uh-huh. yeah well and it was all right in their defense uh it was in a stocking mm-hmm. so perhaps they were purchased at one time and they just kept reappearing because oh here you go here's something mm-hmm. but it's- yeah thoughtful so thoughtful i i haven't gotten the same gift uh same card uh yes many a time Um, (laughs) well it was always from my great grandma and like there are not many cards out there that are for great grandkids yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. so you said hallmark needs to do right right right. Mm -hmm. so um yeah but it would Mm -hmm. definitely make me chuckle every time i'm like oh thanks nani this is (laughs) such a nice card every year i do have to mention one more gift Okay. Please. And this is more of like me being so frustrated with my brother. Oh. Ooh, he's like calling him Call- out. You yep. only have one brother. Oh my God. I only have okay. one brother. And he will not be listening to this. <laughs> and I, this is just like, ugh. My brother knows how to work my mom. Like, um. I remember being a kid, like 10. 11, maybe 12 right mm-hmm. middle school at the oldest it was my mom's birthday and i got my mom something and he was like crap <laughs> no, <laughs> i no, did no. not do anything mm-hmm. what does he do he goes downstairs oh god he like grabs a plastic bag somehow like inflates it with some air and ties it mm-hmm. and he gives it to her and I was like, what is this? He's like, this is all the love that I have for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I look at him like, you are the worst ever. <laughs> oh, and my mom's just like, gosh. oh, so sweet. And, you know, just quickly did a card. I'm like, you suck. That's so funny. You suck. Um, but so like, I, forever, it's just like. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If it's helpful for you to know this, uh, my grandparents will not be listening to this. I'm quite certain um for the past few months anytime i'm at their house i've been taking things of theirs <laughs> that i'm going to wrap up and gift back to them for christmas <laughs> so i understand what your brother was going for <laughs> give him um, give him what you want okay and just to wrap up our worst christmas gift ever i just want to share with you <gasps> Oh, I found the picture. My God, send that mm-hmm. to me, please. Mm-hmm. I, I folks, need to share that. That is, folks. It's cute. I mean, it's when I had glasses. I mean, that I is like different. bright that's, red. That's I was thinking velour. like maroon. No, no. Red. no. Oh no, this that is, is bright red. This is like Coca Cola Santa red. Yeah, yeah. Cute, cute. Stop. Anyway, I'm I would surprised have the you've heck not gotten Lucy one yet. <laughs> right? Oh, maybe can you imagine Lucy's reaction? I could see her though in defiance, being, "I am wearing this oh, all the time." Absolutely. <laughs> oh gosh! Come, mother, okay. let's go out into the world with this gift you got me. <laughs> uh, I think you overestimate her. Anyway, Bonhoeffer. 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 Dietrich Bonhoeffer. 
Oh, Dietrich. Mm-hmm. So a little nugget from a uh, one of his letters from prison. He wrote this about Advent. He said a prison cell is a prison cell like this, in which he was, is a good analogy for Advent. One waits, hopes, does this or that, ultimately negligible things. The door is locked and can only be opened from the outside. And I think what he's getting at is that Advent is this thing we go through, and perhaps sometimes it feels like it's nothing, but we're always waiting for the coming of Jesus. We're always waiting for Jesus to come. And while I would perhaps disagree that it can only come from the outside, I wonder if us as the body of Christ, thinking of that and God's hidden actions through our vocations Mm -hmm. might be a way to work inside. He's smarter than me. Uh, (laughs) And would probably tell me I'm wrong. But uh, That's a really bleak analogy, right? (laughs) Like being in a prison cell, that's bleak. But, mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, Dietrich. And there he lived for a few years. Right. The so, rest of his life, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a little deep dive on his timeline, and yeah. It's a little rough. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyway. My search history needs to get cleared. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what Dietrich wrote on Christmas Day. He said, joy to the world. Anyone for whom the sound is foreign or who hears in it nothing but weak enthusiasm has not really heard the gospel. For the sake of human, humanity, excuse me, Jesus Christ became a human being in a stable in Bethlehem. For sinners, Jesus Christ became a companion of tax collectors and prostitutes. For the condemned, Jesus Christ was condemned to the cross on Golgotha. For all of us, Jesus Christ was resurrected to life. All over the world today, people are asking, where is the path to joy? And the church answers loudly, Jesus is our joy. Mm. And it's it's, from a prison cell. Well, right (laughs) in the middle of, I mean, the Holocaust, Mm -hmm. you know, like... How, it's just amazing to think about how he was able to can I can I read that find joy and see joy still in the world I mean talk about bleak right and and what is joy then right I think perhaps I'm sure we've talked about this we associate it with happiness mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, I think Matthew Meyer Bolton a theologian talked about joy being something that comes to us being this gift that comes to us that we can't we can't earn it or whatever but but joy comes just when it comes and to experience joy is to be open to joy and to be ready i don't know mm-hmm. and, I, and i don't know it's i wonder if if G- dietrich's time in uh in prison was an apocalypse of sorts and opened him up to, to the joy that Jesus brings, which is not saying we all must go to prison and suffer and be executed right. to experience the joy of Jesus. But rather, I think for Dietrich and throughout his life, because he was such a smart individual, I wonder if his faith was in his head. Mm. And it was this academic pursuit. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. And through his time in 
in Harlem and with the Black Church in New York City. If that, he learned the embodied church and the embodied faith. Sure. And so for him, that was a turning point in which, and I, I remember, oh gosh, I don't know who, I think he was writing his best friend Eberhard, that if he, because he had another, he could have gone back to Union Seminary and taught. Right. And actually went to the U.S. a second yeah. time and yeah. like immediately turned around and was like, actually, I can't. I have yeah. to go back to Germany. Yeah. Mm-hmm. because And that was the whole thing. Like he couldn't go, he felt he couldn't go back to Germany and have any like actual opinion or sway because he did not go there with his people essentially he felt a call to be a theologian a prophet a martyr whatever Mm -hmm. you might consider dietrich to be he felt the call to go and do what he could do there Mm -hmm. yeah Hmm. so for him perhaps that embodied faith was the apocalypse and that that revealing that faith is not lived out in the ivory towers of academia that it's mm-hmm. it's in the everyday and I, for me that's that's part of what i appreciated about him with my year-long love affair <laughs> in college was that he had to he, he realized that it was all about being with others mm-hmm. well isn't that okay? What's the term for that? Um, because I, I feel like Luther was the same way, right? Where like it's not all academic, but more um, not like an everyday theologian, but um, some, where where it's more embodied and not just theoretical. Um, yeah, so that's it's interesting. Like, I mean, that's a whole other thing. Like parallels between Luther and Bonhoeffer, and I mix up their writings and whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a lot easier to identify with with what somebody's talking about when they're like talking about real life and not mm-hmm. just this theoretical, right? Yeah, whatever. I just, I, yeah. I, sometimes I think we miss the boat when we, we get stuck in one mode, right? Like, in seminary, it's so easy, or mm. was for me, to just, mm-hmm. oh, this is so much fun. I just want to learn and study and write papers. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, this means nothing if it's not lived. Yeah. Right. It's the same as, and I think Herschel talked about this a little bit in his when we. My dear sweet husband Herschel, is that who you refer to? Dear, yes, the one <laughs> and the husband. only. When we were talking about him teaching and him kind of just taking math and statistics and actuarial mm-hmm. studies, but then translating it for the students into real life things, mm-hmm. the joy I think that he expressed in doing that and having these students like, wow, this actually matters mm-hmm. and does mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. I think that's the sort of real life application that people yearn for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like, people don't come to church because they want to like learn theoretical things about God. Like they come because there's a yearning and the, and they, they want something in their own life that's tangible Mm -hmm. and um, that they can feel and touch. And, and, and isn't that why like communion and baptism are so, um, 
important for our faith is that they're, you know, they're, they're real. They're not just this theoretical thing, but there's a thing you can touch and taste and feel. Um, And there's something about that, that, that we need Mm -hmm. to make faith real. And Mm -hmm. yet all too often, I think we're consumers at church, right? Like, uh, for sure. What's this gonna, eh, I'm not gonna take this, leave that. Yeah. Eh. But perhaps we are called to wrestle with all of it. Right, we're called to wrestle with the messiness that that is faith and mm-hmm. and Dietrich. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about Dietrich and his time in prison and all this. <clears throat> excuse me, sort of fun stuff. But I think we can also talk about how the nativity story in the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew, which we pull from, that was not so pretty either, right? Hmm. Yeah. So I, I think we, first of all, they're not the same story. What? <laughs> what? I know. I what know. do you mean? In Mark, there is no birth story. Uh huh. In John, uh-huh. there technically is no birth story. There's just in the beginning was the word, and the word was yeah. Know, blah 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 blah. So we pull our birth stories from Matthew. Uh huh. And Luke. Uh huh. Uh, Luke is all about the shepherds and the angels. Yep. So there's that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then in Matthew, there's the Magi. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there there are angelic appearances, but not to Mary, to Joseph. Oh, yeah. So so we have two different accounts of the gospel, a birth story of Jesus, and so often we just say, mm, let's put it all together. Because be... because that's what my nativity scene at my house. Uh-huh. Like you've got the shepherds and the sheep on one side uh-huh. and then the, the three wise men on the other side. And they were mm-hmm. there at the same time. Sure. Right? Right. <laughs> because that uh-huh. is how you set it up mm-hmm. on, when <laughs> I put it on the table. Yeah. Well, and that's how, so we create like a little manger scene at the top of the tree. Mm-hmm. So we'll mm-hmm. have like the star at the top and then yeah. I have this cool little paper angel and then we've got a little little joseph mary and jesus and then three little target wise men walking up the tree <laughs> they're adorable that's really cute oh. and it's it's fun i don't yeah. know and also if there's a gnome this year <laughs> the christmas gnome <laughs> it's just ahead of a gnome so this is somewhere in the stable hiding behind the sheep <laughs> yeah that counts <laughs> Okay. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so they're different. Um, but at the time when Jesus was born, uh, we're told that the purpose for gathering in different cities was to have a census taken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just like, oh, we need to figure out how many people are in the Roman Empire. It's how much money can we tax people and mm-hmm. exploit them for? Now the taxes are always bad, but it's also how do we divide the Roman army into sections where do we need to keep people at bay sure so there's the whole premise of the reason they're gathering in bethlehem is kind of fraught with uh this empire trying to control people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so it's not exactly pretty it's power over people and yet jesus is born into that messiness and i i read something recently that it was Jesus' birth itself is a protest against the empire because Jesus isn't counted. 
Jesus is above being counted by the government. And it was just like, whoa. I don't know. Just kind of this. Yeah. It's very interesting. Uh, anyways, so Jesus is born into that depth of human experience, of oppression, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And if we if we think of that whole ekthrombos thing we've talked about in the past two episodes of Jesus meeting us where we're at, if Jesus is born in that sort of situation, I think we could say that Jesus enters into our lives where we're at, mm-hmm. wherever we are. And I think it ultimately impacts how we view Jesus' death and resurrection as well. And we could get into atonement theology now if anyone wants to. <laughs> okay, or this, not, is, or this not. is where I want you to keep talking because I'm like, okay, okay, I'm with you so far. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm with you. Yes, Jesus comes into all these messy circumstances. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, talking about the nativity story makes me think about that uh, that great illustration that was um, around, especially on social media a few years ago of like uh, the, you know, it looked like, uh, oh, yeah, Latin yeah. American immigrants in mm-hmm. front of a uh, like Seven Eleven, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, saying like they're this is a similar situation, and, right? So Jesus coming in the middle of all these messy situations. So I'm with you there, uh-huh. okay. Yeah. And then you drop atonement <laughs> theories, <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, keep talking because I'm not sure where you're going with this. Yeah. So atonement theology is all about the purpose of Jesus dying and resurrecting. Like, for what purpose did Jesus die? Mm-hmm. And, I like, classical arguments are, Jesus died to save you from your sins, mm-hmm. right? And I, there are a whole lot more nuanced views of that. And You could uh, get to, like, payment of debts and yes. mm-hmm. all of that that you hear in a lot of music actually uh, yeah. yeah there are a lot of that in there of different atonement theories mm-hmm. yeah. and and lots of blood language Ugh. heather's favorite Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. i hate that and so i i wonder sometimes if if we're so if we're we, we accept i think oh jesus you know is born and uh to a lowly you know in a mean estate and those sorts of things mm-hmm. but what if that's also a reminder of when Jesus dies, that it's not so much to be this Christus victor, this Jesus the victor over everything, that it's also like, a this, this might be a stretch, a pastoral care move by God, mm. meeting us in death and suffering, mm-hmm. and through the resurrection, points to something else, points to life. Right, but it's not this defeating death and this militaristic conquering of death, but it's that it's in solidarity with the human experience, which to mm-hmm. me like changes mm-hmm. all of this. And so to think of Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer was hung. Mm-hmm. Stories tell us mm-hmm. some accounts that Katie and I talked about. Yes, uh, yes. were that the doctor that reported, um, and this doctor was the doctor of the prison camp, uh, was actually charged with, they were executed, but not quite. Mm-hmm. He would revive them mm-hmm. so they could be hung again. Mm. And whether or not this happened to Dietrich, we don't know. But even if he was hung, the f- the image of Jesus being hung next to Dietrich to me is mm-hmm. like mind-blowing. And that's, I think, ultimately... Like the depth and the pain of the resur- of the 
of the crucifixion, yeah. perhaps that Dietrich was reminded of and that God too is there in solidarity with him in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it's not this Christus Victor. It's not this, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus paid once and for all for everybody, but no, Jesus is there mm-hmm. in that moment. Yeah. And isn't that more comforting? Or maybe it's just different. But for me, it feels more comforting to think about that than yeah. like, oh, thank goodness Jesus paid for the price for my sins. Thousands for, of years ago. <laughs> right? For what? Like, Right. Right. The thought that like Jesus is here with me right now in my worst moments yeah. at death. That like Jesus came or God came in the form of Jesus so that he would understand what that felt like. Yeah. Dietrich wrote this uh, long before he was executed. Uh, He was preaching in 1928. He said, perhaps praying, this was during a sermon, Lord Jesus, come yourself and dwell with us. Be human as we are and overcome what overwhelms us. Come into the midst of my evil Come close to my unfaithfulness. Share my sin, which I hate and which I cannot leave. Be my brother. Be my brother in the kingdom of evil and suffering and death. Can you repeat that last line? Be my brother. Be my brother in the kingdom of evil Mm. and suffering and death. Hmm. And yep. I, I think I think God does draw that near to us, right? Yeah. And not yeah. in a creepy way like Santa's no. always watching kids, <laughs> right? Like Jesus is watching what you're doing. No, no. The elf on the shelf. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. <sighs> Ours is kind of, he's a rascal. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and what I like about this Advent sermon is not so much that it's it's talking about suffering and death and all yeah. that, but just that, that that is exactly where Jesus meets us and is ever present. And that's okay, right? Jesus doesn't have to... We, we Okay. We think of God too much as removed from our lives. And what if we think of mm-hmm. God, however you think of God, as being actively present in your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is your theological imagination like? Because those God moments that we talked about yeah. last time, sometimes they're hard to find. Mm-hmm. What if we expected them to be out there? Mm-hmm. I guaranteed, friends out there, look back. Chances are there was a God moment today. There will be one tomorrow mm-hmm. and the next day and the next day. Look for them. Yeah. I just keep thinking, like, be my brother. Yeah. In this sometimes really crappy world. Like, what does, like, just sitting next to me on this comfy chair. Like, okay, what would that, mm-hmm. what would that mean? Hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I, I, I feel like this is. know for some reason it it is simultaneously for me so much to grasp and like fully 
understand and yet makes total sense. And I don't I don't know how to like wrestle with all of that. Mm-hmm. I think it's like so much of faith and theology. It's we we it's it's one thing to keep it in our head, right? right and to try to right. understand and right, to try right. to grasp all of these really deep concepts. And it's another thing to just kind of feel it and like, oh yeah, be my brother. Mm. Like be yeah. here with me. Like yeah. Yeah. maybe it doesn't we don't have to sit with all the No complications and like, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And what yeah. Which is so unlike Dietrich. Who is so smart and had answers and everything, but right, for right. him to say, "Be my brother, sit mm-hmm. here with me in this," is we're, we're getting glimpses of a change in his theological thinking, and it's so funny because two years later he goes to Union Theological Seminary, so that mm-hmm. seed was already planted, I think, mm-hmm. in him. Mm-hmm. So, mm. well, Tom, Heather, thanks for a very Bonhoeffer Christmas. Yeah, it, I mean, I can't say it was like, you know, like. Holly Jolly. Holly Jolly, like Rudolph, uh, hot cocoa kind of. It was not a hot cocoa Christmas. <laughs> it's not a hot cocoa Christmas, but I like it. It's it's make it giving me some things to mm. kind of chew on and think about. And mm. what is Christmas going to mean this year? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very very pensive. Uh, it's it's a it's mm-hmm. this is a deeper. Deeper Christmas with Bonhoeffer. And, you know, I originally thought we were going to have a lot more, I don't want to say fun, but I thought this would be a lot more upbeat. But when, when we read letters from prison, things yeah. get, things hit hard. Right. But I maintain it's not that it's not upbeat because it is hopeful. Mm-hmm. And and the, the I, that be my brother, like that's, there's comfort in that mm-hmm. in, in a way that I appreciate. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Listeners out there, we don't have a series sketched out, I believe. For yeah, I don't think we have anything planned. So twenty twenty four. No. Yeah. So I'd love to hear ideas from you. What should we do next? Yeah. What should we? What should we ramble about? Some people are listening to this. Mm -hmm. So, which is crazy. And you've told us (laughs) that you listen, so we know who you are. What's the point of you listening, even? Right? Why are you even listening to us? Oh my gosh! What do you want to hear about? Yeah. What should we talk about? What are you curious about? Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you sit at home thinking? What is the point of whatever? I don't know what. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we should open next time with a spam taste testing. Do I have a treat for you all, <laughs> Katie? Are you going to Austin, Minnesota over Christmas? Um, I count. I am actually in a few there weeks. Go. We're going, but I also recently, like yesterday, counted the cans of spam that we have in our cupboard. Oh my gosh! No, nah, dog, not not for me, dog. I'm out. It's, I'm out. I, if I remember correctly, it's like nine or ten cans. Oh my god! Different flavors. Not all of them. <sighs> not each of them are different flavors, but we have several different flavors. Okay, so. Sounds wait, 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 great. Wait. You're saying there could be an advent spam calendar? <gasps> I don't know. Here's the th- I I could talk about spam a lot longer than you guys would care to hear about. And that's what's the point, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what's the point of spam? But we want to hear from you. We do. Yeah. We do. What should we talk about? 
Um, do you want guests? What oh. do you want? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what What should people do if they have ideas? <gasps> Let me tell you, Heather. Listen okay. here. You guys can email me um, at Katie, K-A-T-I-E, at trinity-ec.org. And yeah, fill me in. Tell me all the things you want to hear about. I will do my darndest to make it happen. Um, no promises. <laughs> Heather doesn't promise. <laughs> I promise. But yeah, let, let us know. Um, we are really open to anything. Um, and we just... Yeah. We want to talk about what you want to hear about. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Shut okay, up. It's, we gotta go. We gotta go. Have That's... a very, very happy Bonhoeffer Christmas, everybody. Okay, bye. Show to the world. Bye. Bye. bye.